standard issue for all women. Hello and welcome to one of two Sunday Chops we're spoiling you rotten with this weekend. In the other episode, which I suggest you listen to immediately after finishing this, Mickey chats to the force of nature that is comedian and author Susan Cowman about her new book Sunny Side Up and about how to survive in a world where everyone is just shouting at each other. So, you know, the world we actually live in. Thank God for Susan. In this episode, I'm talking drugs in politics. As you may have seen, if you don't have your head buried in a hole, and if you have, I'm not sure I blame you, we are waiting to learn who our next Prime Minister will be. And in a packed field of contenders, recent revelations as to who may or may not have taken drugs in their past are believed to be affecting people's chances, most notably Michael Gove, who was forced to admit he had taken cocaine a few times socially while he was a young, that's his word, not mine, reporter. Is this the start of what this country could really do with? An honest and comprehensive conversation about drugs. Is it heckers like? So... This week, I got on the phone with two of our favourite women to find out what's stopping us all being a bit more frank about drugs, how the war on drugs is going, spoiler alert, it's not going well, and who it is that's actually driving the conversation in this country. After the break, I'll be chatting to Dr Susie Gage, drugs and mental health researcher and lecturer at Liverpool University, and the host of the excellent Say Why to Drugs podcast. But first up, Here's Aisha Hazarika, who's worked in politics, the media and comedy, to talk about drugs and Westminster. I kind of want to say that we're having an honest conversation about drugs in politics at the moment. But on the other hand, I'm not entirely sure that honest is the right word, given that a lot of the admissions, if we start with Michael Gove's admission that he took cocaine, came with a lot of caveats about being young and stupid and oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. using it socially. Like, yeah, it's not honest at all, basically. Let's be quite honest about that. <laughs> Do you think there's ever going to be a place for an honest conversation about drugs in Parliament? No, not for the foreseeable future. I think there should be. And I think actually drugs policy is something which really does need to be looked at. You go into any prison in any part of the country and you see sort of men and women who are in this really futile cycle of drugs and crime and prostitution and mental health issues. And it's like a revolving door prison. But the problem is everybody... Everyone has to kind of acknowledge that we do need to have a discussion about it, but nobody is going to be brave enough to actually do it. Because as this Tory leadership contest is showing us, the people that really hold a huge amount of balance of power in this country are right of centre, very socially conservative, older, white And, you know, they have a very particular view about drugs. They have a very moral view. And I think... If you want to win elections in this country, particularly with sort of first past the post, if you want to get into power, you have to appeal to those types of people. So I think that's why I don't really feel that anybody for the foreseeable future is going to have the guts to really take the subject head on. And there does need to have a big conversation about it. Interestingly, David Cameron faced this so a long, long time ago when he was going to be leader of the Conservative Party and he was asked about his youth and whether he took drugs. He sort of didn't kind of answer the question, but he almost insinuated that there was something in his past. And at the time, everybody was like, oh, this is this is really brave. This is really out there. This is like somebody who's admitting that 
you know they've had a bit of a, a past like a sort of normal person mm. but he wouldn't ever really be drawn on it and actually it does go to show that there's just this massive hypocrisy around drugs where absolutely tons of people in parliament have have tried drugs i don't think they've probably taken drugs massively regularly to be absolutely honest but they've kind of tried it but they have to sort of they can't go into any detail about it because it's still really frowned upon as a big social taboo it's it's interesting because i mean you and i are roughly the same age we sort of in our 20s in the 1990s i don't mean our 20s now (laughs) yeah oh yeah definitely we're definitely in our 20s now i don't really know anybody within my reach of friends colleagues whatever that didn't try something something be it you know a spliff at the bus stop when they were 15 or something at university and I I just I just find it staggering that the idea that none of those people Whoopi Goldberg famously said she couldn't not she wouldn't run for politics but she couldn't enter politics because she'd taken drugs in the past and people would never accept that and it just seems to be just discounting huge swathes of people who might actually be very good at a job doesn't it yeah it's interesting I think I think that's very true in British politics as well and I mean the, I think the drugs question is very it is, it's very interesting because I, again, like you, you know, like when I was at university, like I did know like a lot of people that that, that took drugs on a very, very um, regular basis. But then I also did know quite a lot of people that, that didn't and were from a completely, a, a completely different background. So I think there's quite a big cultural divide in terms of drugs, in terms of what kind of family you came from, what sort of ethnicity you came from as well. Sometimes I think the argument gets a little bit skewed in terms of like, oh my goodness, like if, you, if you're if you not like totally for drugs, then you're you're weird. And I think, again, <laughs> there's quite a lot of people that like aren't and they didn't grow up around drugs and they didn't do drugs and do think that there's like an issue with drugs. And I think sometimes we on as kind of liberal progressives, we're like, oh, those people just don't exist, but actually they do exist. Yeah. Um, and I think you do have to, like, I have a friend who, she went to university here, she she actually grew up in another country in Europe, and so she can't believe how we all think it's like, we think, people here think drugs is the norm, because she's like, that's not the upbringing I had at all. So I do think, you know, there is a little bit of a kind of a skewed, skewed thing about that, but I do think the overall messaging around it is still very much like you know if you if you had taken drugs you you probably shouldn't be going into this line of work which which as you say is is kind of a shame because it's blocking a lot of you know we we're quite hypocritical about this because on the one hand we do say we want people from all walks of life to come into politics we don't want people who were like William Hague who basically were plotting out their prime ministerial or their top political career from the age of six and never lived a life and you know were just completely focused on on becoming an MP and never putting a foot wrong we are always saying we want people from different communities from different walks of life and different social stratas until we discover that they've got something colourful in their past mm. and we're like oh that's really bad like you can't do that job yeah. and I don't know I don't know how you change that because there's the good intentions and then there's the reality of everybody clutching their pearls and being very like shocked about everything well, well I mean I th- personally I think it's the media and I say that as a member of the media I, we're caught in this odd cycle I worked at a local newspaper for years and I tried so hard to change the way that we wrote about drugs And I was basically told no constantly because to me, there are stories and there's an example of this that we had a a court case in which a father had been taken to court for buying heroin and he was buying it for his son. 
And everybody wanted to run it as a straight story of how horrifying it was that this man was buying heroin for his son. And I was very keen to go and knock on the front door and ask why, because I felt that the story behind it had to be more complicated than the story we were about to run was yeah. suggesting. And I was told, no, that that's fair enough. I wasn't the editor. But I sometimes think that the feeling was that I was told that, that people don't want to hear that about drugs. But then if the media assumes what people want to hear and then people believe what the media tells them, you're in a cycle which is never, ever, ever going to change. And it's quite hypocritical given, like I say, that I've worked in the media and a lot of people within the media themselves take drugs. Oh, of course. I mean, absolutely. I mean, so many people in in politics, you know, uh, you know, have 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 taken drugs as well. But I think your newspaper example is interesting because your editor at the time is probably making the same calculation that a lot of, you know, senior people in politics makes, which is like, who is probably one of the biggest markets in terms of the readership for your local paper and politics? Well, let's be honest, it's kind of older white people who, you know, do have an, a, a problem with with these kind of things. Mm. And I think the other thing which is very, very like difficult about this stuff like i mean i you know i'm not somebody who's like hey let it all let, let it all hang out drugs are brilliant there's no problem with drugs i think we do have to have a, an honest conversation about drugs and i think there's a lot of hysteria about drugs but there's also a lot of really understandable concerns about drugs as well you know mm-hmm. i was up in glasgow yeah. um at the weekend talking to some local councillors and mps and you know the the drug problems around Glasgow, well around all over places in the country, are absolutely horrific, absolutely horrific. So by having a grown up conversation about drugs, it doesn't mean that you're glamorising drugs or you're saying that drugs are a good thing because for a lot of people they obviously are not a good thing and you know create a life of absolute sort of you know untold misery. I think the fear of what people have about talking about drugs, I think they think that people are going to be like, yeah, everyone can just have all the drugs they want. Everyone can have a nose bag of drugs. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. that's what you're going to get on the NHS now, which of course is absolutely not true. And you look at the abuse of drugs, prescription drugs, for example, oh, which yeah. is absolutely huge as well. Opioids, the op- opioid crisis in America is coming here. There's you know, well-documented um, stories about people with addiction to painkillers, like people, household treasures, like, you know, you know, the bloke from Anton Deck and, you know, all that yeah. kind of, um, I can never remember which one is which. Nobody now, can. The one has a drug <laughs> problem, I still can't remember. Um, but the other thing I just want to say, which I think is really, really important about this conversation about drugs and people in public life is the absolute rank hypocrisy and double standards about how these stories are covered depending on who it is yeah, that has taken the drugs. So if you're a white, posh man who is part of the club, the media club, the establishment club, it's fine. You've lived a life. You're interesting. It's a talking point. If you are a black person and you talk about taking drugs, basically people throw the book at you. It's sort of like you are a kind of moral degenerate. Oh, my goodness. Like what a bad person you are. The double standards are absolutely outstanding. And I, I have tweeted quite a lot about this. I've had quite a lot of abuse about this. You know, you look at somebody like Kate Ossimore, who was a black MP, her son was involved in drugs. She didn't handle it brilliantly. I'm not saying that she did. But my goodness, you know, she literally was like a woman pushed to, to the edge. She mm. got absolutely hounded because it fits the narrative in terms of, oh, if you're from the black community and you do drugs, you're bad. If you're a working class person and you do drugs, you're bad. You know, whereas if you're someone like Michael Gove or you're Rory Stewart, oh, it's it's interesting. It's a it's a talking point about what everybody 
everybody just did at university. Yeah. It's just such double standards. Absolutely. And also, I mean, a double standard, I think, when you look at uh, the reaction to Diane Abbott on the train. Um, oh. And I always think the great, the, the, the person that all of these people seem to, you know, desperately admire, Tory people at the moment, Winston Churchill was a man who drank, what, a bottle and a half or a, of wine or champagne and about half a bottle of whiskey a day. I mean, it's <laughs> it's... It's not just, like you said, with prescription drugs, it's not just illegal drugs we have a problem with in this country. It's all drugs. Oh, and some of them well, are illegal alcohol. and some of them are given well, to you by the doctor. And... But also some alcohol, I mean, Westminster is fueled on alcohol and it's taxpayer subsidised alcohol as well in the many bars of the Palace of Westminster. And if you are an MP or you work for an MP, you can basically go to about eight receptions every night in Parliament, free booze flowing freely, mm. you know, and, and then go and vote, you know, on really, really <laughs> important issues of the day. There is a lot of sort of hypocrisy around it. But again, look, I do understand, you know, that people are fearful of drugs. I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, yeah, it's, it's all great. You do have to have, you've got to have a conversation. But I think what we need is an honest conversation, which is basically drawn from science it's drawn from medicine it's drawn from social work from people in the criminal justice system for people who look after vulnerable women like prostitutes and sex workers and and you know women with mental health issues the you know we've got to have a really really honest conversation about the drug use in this country now at all different levels of society because whatever you think whether you are for drugs whether you're against drugs whether you're left-wing whether you're right-wing whatever you cannot look at the situation in terms of public policy and think that it's working on any single level that our public policy towards drugs is working i mean i went into brixton prison recently and honestly hannah i just could not believe every i mean mainly young black men and all the reasons they were in there was for drugs and for quite a lot of them this was their second third fourth time in prison and it started off something kind of relatively minor to do with drugs they come into prison they get on more drugs they get hardened and then you're basically they're in this kind of drug fueled gang fueled sort of spiral because of drugs and you're like this is such this such a waste of of like human capital and human beings it's so tragic it really is. Can I ask you one more question while I have you, Aisha? Who, who's going to be our next Prime Minister? Boris Johnson. Oh, really? I'm so sorry. Oh, my I'm God, so that makes me want to go out and take drugs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing I was thinking. Why the hell is everyone apologising for taking drugs? Because right now being smacked off your tits makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey there, people of Canterbury, people near Canterbury and people with weekend access to Canterbury. We're bloody coming for you in the nicest possible way, of course. That's right. Our next live event is at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury on Sunday, the 21st of July, when we're joined by the always excellent Scummy Mummies, Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson, and socio-political powerhouse Kemar Bob for an hour of fierceness and funnies as part of the Marlowe Comedy Festival. It's going to be mint and you can get tickets via our website, www.standardissuepodcast.com or by going to the What's On section of marlowtheatre.com. Come see us. Let us see you. Yes. A recent YouGov survey showed that 56% of Brits think taking cocaine in the past should be enough to disqualify someone from holding the top office. So, when I spoke to Dr Susie Gage, the first question I had to ask was, Exactly how many people have actually taken drugs in the past? The European Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction 
have actually published just very recently data, but their 2018 report uh, looking at estimates of the drug use in the previous year among young adults, so that's people between 16 to 34 in England and Wales, is 11.5% have used cannabis in the last year, 4% have used cocaine in the last year, 2.5% MDMA. Those are kind of the main three. But that's only in the past year, and that's before the age of 34. So if you think about lifetime use, it's going to be substantially higher than that. So that's already quite a small but substantial proportion of the population have used it in the past year, let alone sort of ever. So I think it's perhaps more common than some people think. Certainly over 50 people saying it should rule someone out of being prime minister. Many of the people who've who've endorsed that in all likelihood have taken an illicit substance in their past. I suspected as much. Where do you think people are, are getting that opinion from? Well, people have amazing cognitive dissonance about drug use, I think. If you ask people whether they think people who have problems with substance use need support and help, lots of them will say yes. But then if you also ask them whether they'd like someone who's previously had a dependence on drugs to look after their children or live next door to them, lots of people will say no. People have very sort of contrasting and contradictory views on these things. So in terms of what the general public think about drugs in general, it's, it's a very difficult question to answer, really. Particularly since, you know, even if I was to take the people around me, there's some very contrasting views, including the gradation of what people would be prepared to accept. Yeah. The problem with it is it is illegal, then it shouldn't make any difference whether you're talking about having a cheeky spliff or taking crack. But yet there is a gradation in people's minds. Yeah, I think so. I think people certainly see some some drugs as more bad than others and potentially more harmful and more risky and more sort of like a moral failing if you choose to do it and I think that's that's something quite strange the way we think about substances is that it seems quite a moral issue around them rather than a health issue and also we all have this hypocrisy around drugs when we think about alcohol because alcohol is a drug that we know is quite harmful and yet it's not just accepted but encouraged in almost everything we do whatever event you're at there'll probably be alcohol there if you're celebrating you use alcohol if you're commiserating you use alcohol first date alcohol you know it's kind of everywhere we go and yet that isn't seen in the same way as hearing that someone's used cocaine in their past for example it's interesting as well because it comes with a lot of what well, if we talk about the mocha gove incident because that's the one that's got the most publicity i suppose it's come with a number of built-in excuses such as i was young i mean i don't think 31 is young but there you have it or i certainly didn't think i was young when i was 31 that it was a mistake we're still a very long way from having an honest conversation the only person that i can think really genuinely who's been very honest in politics about drugs was barack obama and, and obviously i don't actually know how honest that was mm-hmm. all i know was he said something that people seem to be outraged at but ultimately it didn't affect the rest of his career Do you think we're ever going to be in a position where we can have an honest conversation about drugs? I mean, I really hope so. But even if we don't get to honesty, it would be nice if we got away from rank hypocrisy. Michael Gove, uh, while he was education secretary, I think four teachers were banned for cocaine possession. Some of them banned from teaching for, for life. And yet he has said something that I did in the past when I was young shouldn't 
impact on what I'm doing now. So, you know, or thinking about they're saying that these punitive measures we have to discourage illicit drug use are working, and yet it didn't discourage any of them from using illicit drugs. No. So what, who, who is it working for precisely? This is the thing that I find frustrating. Like, I don't think that having taken an illicit drug in your past should rule you out of holding a particular job. Obviously, it depends on if you did something awful while you were intoxicated. That is completely different. But it's the hypocrisy and the not wanting to reflect on how this then impacts on current drug laws that I find quite frustrating. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, because I would be discounted. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'd be a good prime minister, but I have no problem with saying I took a lot of drugs when I was younger. I'm not saying that anybody else should do it. But, you know, it doesn't appear to have addled my mind because it kind of makes me wonder what the fear is with people. Do they think that you're going to start doing it at work? Do they think you're going to relapse? What is the fear? Why do people fear drugs in people's past? I think that's a really good question. I'm I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think that it's partly this idea that it's a moral failing to break the law. It's partly that these substances mess with your mind, that people might think maybe you're going to be completely changed after doing it. You're going to become, like, I don't really want to use this term, but, you know, become an addict and lose control. It could be all of these kind of things. But it's very strange that with one breath, a politician can say, oh, I did it in my past. It's something that I regret, but it's not something that defines me. And yet, with the other hand, putting people at risk of prison. If Michael Gove had been caught with cocaine in his possession, he could have had up to seven years in prison. So uh-huh. it's not its not a sort of minor issue. It could be something extremely severe. So he must have had cocaine in his possession at some point to be able to consume it, even if it was just literally the moment he was consuming it. It's not just the hypocrisy with the teachers when you're talking about Gove. I mean, he literally, and all credit to the policy editor at The Independent, who handed out a story that Michael Gove had written during that period in The Times, (laughs) saying, yeah, you know, drugs are terrible. People are going to take loads of drugs during the millennium, and it's going to be awful because drugs are awful. And It's just staggering. It really is. Because what I think it does, the problem is I think it reinforces this idea that it's one rule for them and it's one rule for us. And that's the most dangerous because we already don't trust them barely at all now. I'm kind of torn because part of me thinks it shouldn't make a difference. But part of me thinks anything that stops Michael Gove becoming Prime Minister isn't necessarily a bad thing. I feel like it could be such a brilliant opportunity to have a grown up conversation. And so... After the sort of the revelations, and there were more and more of the leadership candidates who were being outed, I guess. I, I doubt any of them did it deliberately, although maybe they did. But more and more candidates who have taken illicit substances in their past, I would love to invite them on the podcast that I do about drugs and talk to them about their reasons for taking them in the past and what they think about sort of what are the risks of drugs and actually have a conversation with them where they own it, that this is something that they did choose to do. And and you're right, being in your early 30s, I'm in my early, well, no, I'm not. I wish I was. was I'm in my mid-30s now. That's not teenage indiscretion, have you? That's proper grown-ups. People have lots of responsibilities in their 30s. You know, it would be really great to use this as an opportunity for them to kind of own what they've done and reflect on what it means. Absolutely. But sadly, we're just getting the same old, I was young and I'm sorry and I deeply regret that you found out about it, you know. (laughs) 
Well, that's worth saying with Gove. He didn't willingly put that information into the public domain, did he? I mean, yeah. it was going to come out anyway. And if you look at, going back to the media briefly, if you look at the amount of stories that, that uh, George Osborne has fought off about him and drugs, and he is now the editor of a newspaper. And I think it's just an odd cycle of the media, politics and I don't know, whatever you want to call us, the mob, and the attitudes that we form about drugs don't seem to change or permeate that, even though we know, and I'm assuming that we know a lot more about drugs than we did when Michael Gove was taking them back when he was 31. Possibly, but I think in some ways the conversation around drugs and what we know about them is changing. But in in some ways it's not, and I think like it depends what newspaper you read as to what you think about drugs, because there are strong editorial lines about how drugs are talked about in the media and I think that has a huge impact on how people think about what taking a drug will do to them or will do to someone else. It's all tied up together really that it's still really hard to find credible and accurate information about the effects of drugs and stories like this kind of don't help where it's sort of people are shamed into admitting that they've used drugs whereas actually the honest truth is that people from all sorts of walks of life yeah. use drugs and certain certain groups of people are more likely to experience problems from using drugs but that's not necessarily from the drug itself it's from their the situation that they're in their other issues that are going on with them whether they've got mental health problems as well whether they've got physical health problems as well all of these things are kind of tied into the risk if you use a substance that you'll experience problems from doing so and that's really um sort of overlooked here i think people who are, who it's safe for them to go oh yes i can admit to it because i won't suffer any harm from doing so whereas for other people to admit it will mean they'll lose their jobs their careers potentially they could go to prison lose families you know the the risks for talking about substance use are far less for politicians because they're in the public eye there is the the public shaming if we talk if we talk about addiction I actually think that when you're talking I mean none of these people have problems to be clear but if if we you were talking about people in the public eye with addictions actually public shaming is a relatively handy tool because ultimately you know if people do have a drug problem they need to hit rock bottom do you remember the story of um the woman who i think she was like heir to the tetra pack empire she was found in her house and she'd been dead for about about a month and her, her and her husband were both heroin addicts some of the wealthiest people in the world but also heroin addicts and he he hadn't even been able to cope with the idea that he was going to tell anyone she was dead he just you know just carried on and I remember thinking fuck how do you hit rock bottom when you're like one of the richest people in the world when when for a lot of people it's oh that they lost their job or they lost their house and I Mm. always think about her and I always think in a lot of ways you know if I'd come from a family from a lot of money maybe I'd have carried on taking drugs whereas you know there was a point That's where, true, where I, guess, I thought yeah. it's unsustainable. I'm going to have to stop. I can't afford this. No, you're you're right, and like, absolutely, it's not the case that certain people are immune from the risks of drugs. And it's it's actually, yeah, you don't you don't need much to sort of change in your life to put you at much higher risk of problems and dependence and real real risks from drugs. It should be something that unites us because addiction doesn't like pick a social class, does it? But um, unfortunately, the price is generally paid by the people at the bottom. Yeah, I think partly because of things like support networks and, and ability to access help and that kind of thing. Do you have an opinion on who you think our next Prime Minister is going to be? 
Oh, I, d- I kind of don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting how Boris Johnson hasn't been mentioned very much around the drug use issue when he has in the past he talked about how he might have done cocaine but then again it might have been icing sugar and he sneezed and so probably didn't inhale any anyway Uh, which apparently um is a line from a film anyway and it isn't even his own anecdote so he's being quite sort of coy about it all but it certainly seems possible but he, but he seems to have navigated this round of revelations. Your podcast is back, isn't it? You've started it a new back, season. Yes. What, where Stay can white people find you? Is on. It's on iTunes. It's on Acast. It's on all of the usual podcast places. Yep. Each episode's about a different recreational drug. What we know about it. What are the potential harms? Does it also have any benefits? What are some of the myths and misconceptions that exist around it? So the last, most recent episode was about mescaline. The next one coming up is about a drug called Kratom. We've got one coming up soon about CBD, cannabidiol, one of the uh, compounds that's in cannabis that seems to be everywhere now, from hummus to Ben and Jerry's ice cream <laughs> to uh, CBD cafes springing up in places like Bristol. So, yeah, that should be a really good one. And then a couple of specials looking at the link between drugs and music are going to be coming out as well. Oh, that's really interesting. I've got them both recorded. One of them was live at Smithdown Road Music Festival, which is a music festival that happens in South Liverpool, where I live. And the other one's an interview with Adam Fajcek, who is the drummer in Baby Shambles and is also a psychotherapist. So that's a really, really interesting conversation. I'm really looking forward to putting that one out. Oh, great. Everyone should listen to those. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Standard issue for all women.